And it's in Romans 13, 1 to 7. Thank you. Now after that, Sheldon will bring the message. So I'll give you a little bit more time to get your glasses on. (laughs) On page 920 in the Bibles, in the seat pockets, if you want to grab one of those. Any time I read the Bible in public, I do encourage people to read themselves. Uh, It's not unknown for me to make a mistake. So it's good to know, good for you to know what the Bible really says. But let's give it a go. Romans 13 from verse 1 through to verse 7. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment to the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honour, then honour. So who, who likes to eat their vegetables? Yeah, okay, that's good, that's good. What about when you were children? You did? Wow, okay. You're different to, to my child then. <laughs> um, I, that's, it's kind of how I feel about uh, approaching this morning's text. Uh, part Something that's good about us working through uh, a book of the Bible is that we we don't just feast on dessert passages like last week where it's really easy for us to say, okay, um, like the the way that God wants us as, as disciples of Jesus to, to live in relationship with each other, um, we're to love each other well. And we think, yes, that sounds great. But then if you're a little bit like me, When we get to a passage like what we've just heard read for us in Romans chapter 13, I feel a bit like a kid who's been asked to eat their vegetables. And I go, oh, submit to authority? Like, submit to to government? Mm, That's my my reaction in my heart. I think, no, no, I I want to resist. My my heart is naturally resistant to any kind of authority that is placed over me. 
But just like veggies, um, this is actually really good for us. So we've, we've been hearing of um, God's design, his desire for us as um, the church, as disciples of Jesus, to how we're to live in relationship to each other. And this morning, how are we as disciples of Jesus meant to live in relationship to authority, like the state, government? And this is good for us for, for a number of reasons, but one of them being that we, we see that our, our religious life isn't a completely different sphere to our, our civil life or our um, air quotes everyday life. We see the, the rubber hit the road. Our, our faith in Jesus, it affects, um, is to affect the way that we conduct ourselves in every area of our life. If we are trusting in him, if we've had our lives changed by him, it's going to change every area of our life as we hand that over. So this is a, a, a bristly passage, but um, bear, bear with me as we go through it. Um, and hold in mind that, that what Paul is laying out for the, the church at Rome here, it's, it's what is to be the norm. It's, it's the ideal. It's, it's what God would love. And what we see is Paul saying, really quite simply, that because governing authorities are endowed with power from God, it means that God's people must submit to them. That's it. So let's walk through the text and see what Paul is saying. From verse 1, Paul writes, Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So the authority that authorities have comes from God. The power that earthly powers have come from God. And so that means that all of God's people there in the church at Rome, uh, all who hear this letter of Paul's bread, or all who read this letter, are to submit to the authorities that are set up to govern them. And in this case, it's the mighty Roman Empire and Caesar. And so everyone who's a part of this church, all are to submit to these authorities. So you couldn't have a section of the, the Jews in the church saying, ah, no, um, we're not going to submit to Rome. And you couldn't have uh, poor people or rich, slaves or free or Gentiles saying, no, we're not going to submit to the government, the mighty power of Rome. The instruction here is that all have to submit to the authorities that are set up to govern them. But the command to be subject or the command to submit to authority, it's not quite the same thing as to as a command to just blindly obey it's a recognition of the authority of those who lead it's a recognition of the authority of those who are set up to govern them and they have been placed there by God himself 
And so Paul reminds the readers there at Rome that the power that any earthly authority wields, even Caesar and his empire, who looks so strong and so mighty, that, that power has merely been lent to them by God himself. So Caesar and his rulers, the Roman Empire, are not the ultimate power that rules and reigns over the church in Rome. God himself is. And yet, God still desires his people there to submit to those rulers because he has placed them there. And so verse 2 logically follows That consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So because the um, governing authorities have been placed there by God to rebel against the state, to to break those laws, um, is to reject God's way of doing things. It's to resist God's way of doing things and so to resist God himself. And like all sin being resistance to God, um, it's to invite judgment upon those who resist. In this case, to to resist or to rebel against the state is to invite um, earthly judgment, as in we break these laws and we invite judgment or punishment from the state, but not only that, to resist those that God has installed in power um, is to resist God himself. It's sin and it's to invite judgment from God as well. Then Paul continues in verses 3 and 4, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So here we see that the authorities that are in place, the the government that is in place to to rule over God's people there in Rome, that they're meant to be God's servants. That's what they're called there. They're, They're ministers of the Lord or God's servants, which is um, an amazing term to use when it comes to a a politician, is it not? Like these, these Roman governors and Caesar are God's servants, even if they don't follow God himself, even if they don't know the Lord, they are agents for the Lord. They are ministers of God. And so rulers or people in authority shouldn't be a problem for those who live lawfully, but only to those who live unlawful lives. And those who are in authority execute God's punishment and justice on the land, even to the extent of carrying out God's wrath 
in the punishment that's meted out. And so you know how again and again in Scripture we're told not to, not to take revenge ourselves. Um, we're, we're sinned against, something wrong happens against us. Here we have a safeguard in that God has given a gift of government and justice and a judicial system to his people to actually carry out justice and punishment. And so even the the mighty power of Rome and Caesar and all the power they wield, even if they don't know him, it's just a tool in God's hands. That's how big he is for God to execute his plan for him to to carry out what he desires and we see that these authorities are designed to be good for God's people they are here for our good and for our judgment now of Of course, I want to remind you, again, this is the ideal. This is what should be the norm, but we do know that earthly institutions and governments and judicial systems and all of that is imperfect and it does fail. And yet, God is in control and is carrying out his purposes in the world and chooses to, it seems, through government, through leaders that rule over his people. And so God's people submitting to um, authorities, it's not only um, the motivator isn't just to avoid punishment, although that's a real motivator to pay taxes and to obey the law, but It should also be an outward display of belonging to God. Paul writes in verse 5, Therefore it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. So Paul is saying to the church there um, to submit to the authority that they've been placed under and submit to the laws of the land not just to avoid punishment like we've already heard about, but also for the sake of their consciences, that they wouldn't violate what they already know what God wants for them, that they would keep the laws of the land, not just to avoid being thrown into jail or whatever, but because they already know in their consciences Um, they already know something about how God wants them to live. And so to live well in the land in which they've been placed, it's a sign of belonging to God. And then Paul finishes up this section and he says, this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants, there it is again, who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. And if honour, then honour. So God's people are to pay what they owe to others. 
the Christians there uh, to pay their taxes because the politicians are ministers of the Lord, which still makes me bristle a little, if I'm honest. But those tax dollars are going to good things in society that would eventually go and help the spread of the gospel, the roads and the towns. They are carrying out God's plan, even without realising it. And it doesn't mean that every cent or of their tax dollars went to godly initiatives. Of course not. This was, this was Rome, right? As, as persecution was ramping up. It doesn't mean that the Christians in the church there necessarily approved of the government that was over them. But like what we've seen already, God is so big that he uses people with power that don't even know him to accomplish his purposes in the world. And so that's how the politicians are ministers of the Lord, even if they aren't godly. And not only are taxes and revenue bills to be paid, but also honour and respect. How hard for the first century church to pay honour and respect to this government that ruled over them. I mean, we've got it easy, don't we? Like, really, do you find it really easy to pay honour and respect to the government? <laughs> These guys had it really hard. They're not called, again, they're not called to admire or necessarily approve, but to honour leaders, even ones who may end up persecuting them. It seems like God is really concerned with the hearts of the Christians there at, at Rome because it's, on, on one hand, it's kind of easy to, to tick the boxes of obeying the law and, and paying the taxes and that sort of outward stuff. Um, but the Lord doesn't seem satisfied with that only, but is asking his people in the church there to actually respect those that govern them. Like, and, and often that's a hidden heart thing that nobody else ever sees. So that's... That's the end of that, of that text. And you're probably ahead of me here is the big question that you got in your mind or the big objection. Like, what about wicked authorities? What about evil governments? What about totalitarian dictatorships? Is, is Paul crazy? Is he asking those who, who are under an evil regime just to blindly obey anything that's asked, to just bow down and submit? Of course not. Of course not. Um, and we see... Uh, I'll, I'll give two quick reasons, because that's, that's actually a really, really important objection or a really important question um, for us to wrestle with. Like, where's the, where's the line there? So the first one... Um, you might have picked up on this clue. And that's to submit is not necessarily the same as to obey. The command to submit is not necessarily the same 
is the command to obey. Yes, submission a lot of the time involves obedience, but in instances where Paul writes in his letters about submitting, using the word submit, whether that's wives to husbands, Christians to each other, church members to elders, slaves to masters, it's, it's not with an unquestioning, blind obedience. He doesn't say, wives, blindly obey your husbands unquestioningly in every single circumstance all of the time. He doesn't say that. And he doesn't say that to the slaves with their masters. He doesn't say that to church members when it comes to their elders. It's not so rigid that in all circumstances, at all times, in everything, to submit means to blindly obey. But instead, it's a humble recognition of the function of authority or the recognition of the function of leadership. And... The design there is that good government is good for people. That's that's the principle there. And that those who are governed would be humble and recognise the authority of those above them. So to submit is not the same as obey. And and secondly, um, allegiance to God always trumps allegiance to any other authority. When a law commands something that God forbids, or when a law forbids something that God commands, that's, that's the point that Christians can't go any further, right? When, when a law says that people must do something, that Christians must do something that God says no to, there's the point of resistance. Or when a law says not to do something that the Lord commands, that's when we must disobey. That's when Christians must resist. And our Bibles are full of occasions or stories where God's people have honourably, courageously, bravely, brilliantly resisted earthly rulers. I've just got four quick examples, but... Some might come to mind for for yourselves. In Exodus 2, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, says that all the Hebrew baby boys have to be killed. And Moses is a little baby, and Moses' mum and sister resist by sending him in his little basket river cruise. And and so saving him, they, they brilliantly resist and stand up because Pharaoh's law is commanding something that God forbids. In Daniel chapter 3, there's a law that everyone must bow down and worship this massive statue or you get thrown into a fire. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego stand and say, no, we will not bow down. And they resist and it's good because the law there is something, again, that God has forbidden, to worship something in his place. And when we get to our New Testament, Jesus was repeatedly told again and again, don't work miracles on the Sabbath. And yet Jesus resisted, carrying out 
his father's will. And then in Acts chapter 5, Peter and the apostles are told again, you are not allowed to teach in the name of Jesus. And they're brought before the courts. And what do they say in response to that epic quote? He says, we must obey God rather than man. And that's, that's the line there. We must obey God rather than man. When those two things collide, when one says one thing, when God says one thing, and the laws of man say another thing, that's, our, that's what we hold to. That's our principle. We must obey God rather than man. And that's the point that we're to stand up and resist honorably and courageously. So a couple of challenges for us today. The first one um, is for us to remember, to hold in mind that God is our ultimate authority, that God is the one with all power. He's the one who rules and reigns ultimately, not the state. And, And this is good for us to remember because it keeps us from, on one hand, either worshipping the state or a head of state, maybe something like we'd see in North Korea or or something. Um, It saves us from that on one hand. And on the other hand, it saves us from from anarchy. It it saves us from this attitude of, well, I'll have 15 beers and drive my car because I'm a citizen of heaven, bro, and it it doesn't matter earthly laws. I don't belong here. I'm going somewhere else. No, because God has chosen for us to practice our submission by submitting to the laws of the land. So we're saved from false worship of the state and and false attribution of of, of power. And we're saved from this blasé attitude of it doesn't matter right here and now how we live. And because God is our God and he is God alone, and he he has chosen for us to to live well where he has placed us. And he asks us to submit to the leaders that he's given us. And remembering that God is our ultimate authority, it actually gives us a basis to, to prophetically call out authority and government when they stray from the responsibility that they have to work for the good of the people it's it's the basis we've got a, a basis to call out authority and government when they assume that the power that they have belongs to them in John chapter 19, when Jesus is being questioned um, just before he is condemned to death, Jesus looks Pilate in the face and says, you would have no authority over me unless it were given you from above. <laughs> you would have no authority. So even Pilate there in that instance the authority that he has, where Jesus looks so weak in that moment, that power is just on loan. 
And remembering God is our ultimate authority. It means that if we are living under a wicked regime or an evil government or a tyrant, we can remember that according to this this very letter of Romans, in chapter 8, that that all things work for the good of those who love God. So, So even in dark and evil and wicked times, God is working something good and he can be our hope. He is our hope. So that was the first challenge for us to remember that God is our ultimate authority. And and the second challenge for you and I is to pay our taxes and revenue and respect and honour, not just because, um, but actually out of a heart that's loving God. And we can can pay our respect and honour to those who govern us uh, by praying for them, we, we heard Nick um, lead us in, in prayer for those who lead. Uh, and it means that, that we today, just like that Roman church, we're to show respect and honour to those in power, um, even if they're not admirable themselves. That's really hard, um, especially in our culture of um you know i love satire as well but we've got to work through and find where are we disagreeing and pointing out truth that needs to be pointed out and where are we insulting and attacking the person especially in a culture of internet memes and what whatever else um because we love to bring down our politicians and and government. But the Lord is asking us to respect and honour those who lead, even if they're not admirable. And we're to pay our taxes and bills and whatever else, not out of a heart that loves government and not out of a heart that loves our leaders. Oh, how I love you and government, and so I'm submitting my tax return. Um, No, but we're to obey our laws um, because we love God. And as we live lawfully while looking to God, we're giving glory to him because our heart is set on him. Okay, God, this is how you would have me live right here and now in 2018. This is what you are asking me to do. And so this is how I will submit to the authority that I'm placed under. So to wind up, please do not hear this morning um, that if you pay your bills on time or you pay your taxes or keep the road rules or keep the law, that makes you a Christian. Don't hear that, that, that obeying the laws of the land might save you from your sin. It's not true. Um, Instead, hear these words that we have from God, hear that they are with us, we've got them before us this morning, um, to guide our Christian lives because Jesus has already saved us and this is how he desires for you and I to live well where he has placed us. And there's only one way a human being could truly obey 
the laws of the land or pay taxes or honour or respect out of a heart that is honouring to God and that's by actually by having received a new heart, by trusting in Jesus. Jesus was the only one who was perfect and sinless in every way on one hand and yet so mighty and powerful and he was the son of God and he chose to enter into our rebellious world to rescue us and he even chose to submit to a corrupt judicial system which saw him being put to death. Jesus submitted to an earthly authority. Not only did he submit to an earthly authority, but he even submitted to death on a cross that those who would believe in his name would have their sins removed, even the sin of wanting to rebel and reject any authority that's placed over us. And Jesus didn't stay dead but rose again and now sits ruling and reigning in heaven as our ultimate king, which means that one day there won't be any need for any earthly government. We'll just have Jesus in the redeemed heaven and earth. We'll just have Jesus. But until then, his desire for you and I as his followers, as his disciples, it's for us to practice our submission by being submissive to the authorities that he's placed over us for our good. Let's pray. Oh Lord, you are good. Thank you for the gift of government and thank you for the gift of authority. And would you help us, Lord, as we seek your face and as we trust in you and walk with you, would you give us discernment as to where the lines are when it comes to um, humbly submitting to authority that we've been placed under, uh, but also bravely standing and speaking up for your name. So would you give us the courage, Lord, to do both of those things as we look to you God, thank you um, that we're here in Wagga in 2018 and um, by history's standards and the world's standards, oh, we have it easy. And so thank you, God, um, for placing us right here and now. We thank you, Lord, um, that our allegiances don't have to lie with a political party or an earthly ruler or leader, Lord, but... Instead, we can choose to set our hearts and our affections on you. And so, God, as we practice our submission by living well um, by the laws of the land, um, would you help us, Lord, to keep in mind that um, just being a good citizen doesn't make us citizens of heaven, but it's only by trusting in you, Jesus, and you alone. So renew our minds where we need to change our mind, Lord, about some of these things. Um, would you so fill us by your spirit that we'd actually have heart attitude changes when it comes to these things as well, Lord. Um, and give us joy knowing that you are our king, that you rule and reign even today and that you use governments and authorities, 
who might not even know you to accomplish your purposes in the world. So we trust in you. We pray this in your name, Jesus, our King. Amen. As we prepare ourselves to meet around the Lord's table, um, we're going to sing Man of Sorrows. Um, If you're able to, um, I'm going to invite you to stand. Let's sing together.
See, the stone is rolled away. Behold the empty tomb. Hallelujah. God be praised. He's risen from the grave. Oh, that drag and cross my salvation. Where your love poured out over me. Hallelujah, praise and honor unto thee, praise and honor.